0: Good! Uh-huh. Arike Ogunbowole wins the national championship for Notre
2: Dame! <laughs> That's funny Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away. Well, a pleasant good evening, everyone. Hope you're staying warm. Wherever I go, it is just freezing cold inside or outside. Well, I'm at the Compton Family Ice Arena, where it should be a little cold since the guys have to skate around on ice, but feels extra cold today in the building for some reason. Thanks for joining me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat On this Friday, January the 27th, of 2023 the show on 960 am wsbt we have a live stream available at wsbtradio.com and on our free wsbt radio app well the program on the air for two hours tonight i'll be with you for the first 90 minutes of the program then i depart these airwaves and head on over to Quality Rock, 94.3 FM, which is the home of Fighting Irish Hockey. And tonight, Notre Dame is going to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. After this series, only two home games left for the Irish during the regular season. It is Notre Dame and Wisconsin from the Compton tonight. The opening faceoff for Game 1 tonight has been set for 7.30. Sorry, I had to stop for a second. Our game notes say 7, but it is 7.30, which means our pregame coverage begins at 7.15 on Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. Same two teams will play again tomorrow night at 6.05. The Irish have some good news today. Their captain and one of the top players on the team, Nick Lieberman, will return to the Irish lineup tonight. The defenseman who has missed the last four games with an upper body injury, a key part of our team in 18 games, five goals, eight assists, 13 points. We did not have him against number one, Minnesota, and number three, Penn State, the last two weekends, and the Irish went one, two, and one in those four games against those elite teams, and now the Irish will take on the team in last place in the Big Ten standings, Wisconsin, but... A Badger team that shut out the Irish three weeks ago tonight, up in Madison, two to nothing, and the Irish had a five 0 lead in Game Two on January seventh. They gave up four power play goals in the third period, but held on to win six to four. So the Irish and the Badgers and Big Ten action coming up tonight again, seven fifteen pregame, seven thirty opening faceoff on Quality Rock ninety four three FM. Well, coming up on the program this evening, we've got our Twitter question of the day. In about a half an hour, more from former Notre Dame star baseball player Trey Mancini, who has signed a two-year deal with the Chicago Cubs, held a press conference with the Cubs media, and you'll hear Trey talk about all the adversity he has dealt with. Keep in mind, he battled cancer three years ago, and five months later, he was in the Baltimore Orioles opening day lineup for the 2021 season, and after winning a World Series title with the Astros last year, he'll be a part of the Chicago Cubs in 2023, so you will hear from Mancini talking about dealing with that adversity coming up in just a little bit. We'll look ahead to the NFL Championship Games, which are going to take place on Sunday, both games right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first one at 3 o'clock, Eagles and 49ers from Philadelphia. Game two at 6.30, Bengals at Chiefs. 6 o'clock hour, you will hear from fighting Irish hockey coach Jeff Jackson, his thoughts on last weekend's series against Penn State, the challenges of being a part of this rugged Big Ten conference this year, and also he'll offer a preview of the matchup this weekend against Wisconsin, and we'll wrap up. My portion of the six o'clock hour with the little sizzler. And man, last night was a gut punch for our sizzler segment. Lost one game by a half a point, the hook. Lost a second wager by a half a point. And then had a push in the Michigan Purdue game. So, so easily could have been three and one instead, oh, three and one. So, we'll try to. Finished strong this week after just a gut punch last night with our Sizzler picks here on WSBT Radio. All right, I'm going to get the program started with our hat trick of opening topics. I'm going to start with the Michigan Wolverine football team as we're kind of taking a look at contenders for the college football playoffs in 2023 and just basically looking at their schedules. We haven't learned much about anybody yet in terms of personnel and how different they might be compared to last year so we're just looking at schedules and we have gone through Georgia and Alabama so far and tonight let's take a look at the Michigan Wolverines got to give credit to Jim Harbaugh there were many years where he did not deserve any credit and deserve criticism but he has got that Michigan program turned around back-to-back trips to the college football playoffs I don't think anybody Saw that coming, and now it has been, what, over a 1,000 days since Ohio State has beaten Michigan in football. That was an unthinkable thought just a couple of years ago. So the Wolverines, do they have a chance to get back to the playoff once again? Let's start by saying their non-conference schedule's a little bit more difficult than last year, but not much. That helps them. And it's not like exactly the Big Ten is loaded with quality teams from top to bottom, like, for example, the Southeastern Conference. So there is a nice path for the Wolverines if they can put it all together once again. Here's a look at the Wolverines' schedule for 2023. Are they a playoff contender? Here are the teams they will play. They're going to start with the Pirates right off the bat. September 2nd, East Carolina goes to the big house to take on the Wolverines. When's the last time Michigan played a non-conference road game? I don't know the answer to that. It just hit me because it seems like the last couple of years, everything is at home. And you know what? If they can pull it off and they win the games to get to the playoff, it's helping the schedule. It is the AD's responsibility to give their program the best chance to win each and every year. And they can do that by putting together a schedule that fits the needs of the football team. And you know what? They're doing that at Michigan right now because as long as they beat Ohio State, they can get to the playoff with this week non-conference schedule. Now, you lose to Ohio State, you got a loss, then strength of schedule comes into play, and then it could cost you. But if you're going to beat Ohio State, then you know what? The schedule probably is not going to hurt you in the long run. An undefeated Michigan team... We'll get to the playoff once again in 2023. So they have East Carolina in the first game, September 2nd. At least East Carolina has been competitive against good teams the last few years. Well, you can't bark at Michigan for their second game because Notre Dame played this team last year. Michigan will be hosting UNLV on September the 9th. So pretty good chance they're 2-0 at that point and probably 3 and oh. Because on September 16th, they'll play a MAC team, the Bowling Green Falcons. Then they get into Big Ten Conference play. And again, you look at this schedule. If Michigan is anywhere as close to as good as they were the last couple of years, they're going to be just fine because this schedule sets up, I think, really good for them. After those three non-conference games at home, how about another home game? September 23rd, they will host Rutgers. Then a crossover game in Big Ten play as they will play from the Big Ten West, the Nebraska Cornhuskers in Lincoln on September the 30th. Matt Rule, the former Baylor Bear head coach, also was the head coach at Temple and the Carolina Panthers. First year in Lincoln, probably will need a little time, but Michigan will go to Nebraska. And another crossover game against the West, October 7th, they will visit Minnesota. Again, very doable. Then you should have an easy game on October the 14th at the Big House when Michigan takes on Indiana. Then October 21st, rivalry game on the road can be tricky. Michigan will visit Michigan State. Michigan will enjoy a bye on October the 28th. Then on November the 4th, the final four-game stretch and the four-game push for Michigan Their third and final crossover game in the Big Ten, the Wolverines draw the Purdue Boilermakers at Michigan Stadium. Then back-to-back road games for Michigan. They will go to Penn State. Now that could be tricky. Brian Tripp is the voice of Penn State hockey. I've known him for several years. And he also is the sideline reporter on the Penn State radio network. And having a recent conversation with Brian, he really feels like this is the year that Penn State goes truly toe-to-toe with Michigan and Ohio State to win the Big Ten Eastern Division title. They feel like with the recruiting that has been done over the last couple of years, the quarterback they have in place, this young talent, that Penn State will be ready to make that big jump from being... A top 15 team that kind of just goes through the season 11-2, kind of beats everybody they're supposed to beat. They lose to the teams they're supposed to lose to. That's kind of who they have been. Brian feels like there is a chance Penn State might be the best team in the Big Ten this year. He's not just saying that because he works for Penn State. He's been pretty honest through the years about this Penn State team, but he really thinks they could be outstanding. So there. Could be a tricky game for Michigan in Happy Valley. That might be a whiteout game for the Nittany Lions. Then this game is interesting from one standpoint, not because of the opponent at Maryland, but look what Michigan has. Maryland on the road is sandwiched in between a road trip to Penn State and the finale at home against Ohio State. That Maryland game, boy, you talk about an absolute picture-perfect trap game. That's it, as Michigan will play their two most difficult opponents in the final three weeks of the regular season with a little road trip to Maryland, sandwiched right in between at Penn State. And again, Michigan will get Ohio State at home this year. So who knows, maybe Michigan beats Ohio State three consecutive years and then The same conversation the media and the fans had about Jim Harbaugh. Could it turn to Ryan Day? You've lost three straight games to Michigan. Does Ryan Day's job get into that Jeopardy mode? I don't think so, but that rivalry is different. I think there was a thought that Michigan was going to get rid of Harbaugh a couple of years ago, but they didn't want to deal with the financials. They kept him, and it's worked out pretty well, if that's true. Worked out pretty well. Ohio State, you lose three straight to Michigan. I wonder how that changes the attitude of that administration toward Ryan Day, who's respected across college football. I can't imagine that they would do something, but losing to your rival three straight years, that's pretty tough from an Ohio State standpoint. So you look at Michigan in crossover play. They avoid Wisconsin, Iowa, And Illinois, they get Nebraska, Minnesota, and Purdue. I wonder if this is a little SEC scheduling where the Big Ten is protecting one of their meal tickets to get to the playoff by making that crossover play as doable as you can almost do. Just saying. All right, so there's a look at Michigan's schedule for this year again based on the schedule. Definitely a playoff contender once again this year. Our second topic on our hat trick of topics this evening is the Notre Dame women's basketball team. Did you catch any of the game last night? Well, the Irish women's basketball team took the floor for the first time without their veteran guard, Dara Mabry, who five days ago suffered that torn ACL in a win over Virginia at Purcell Pavilion. Last night, Notre Dame ranked number seven in the country, welcomed number 24, Florida State, to Purcell Pavilion. And based on the first part of the game, it was like, well, maybe the Irish are going to miss Mabry more than we expected because things did not go well. With 4.07 to go in the first half, it was Florida State 22 and Notre Dame 12. The Irish scored seven points in the first quarter. The problem was they started four for 27 from the field but they started to recover late in the second quarter at halftime it was just Florida State 23 Notre Dame 22 and then the LIV's team just absolutely dominated the rest of the ball game as Notre Dame outscored Florida State in the second half 48 to 24 to beat Florida State 70 to 47 what's remarkable about the victory Florida State averaging 85 points per game. They scored 47 against the Irish last night. Now the question going into the Florida State game was who would replace Mabry in the starting lineup? Well, when we talked to Anthony Anderson from the South Bend Tribune earlier this week, he mentioned once Mabry went down in that Virginia game, Neil Ivy went with a bigger lineup the rest of the way. And that's something that she did right off the bat last night as... The grad transfer from Texas, Lauren Ebo, took the spot of Mabry in the starting lineup, and she recorded her third double-double of the year, 12 points and 10 rebounds. Now, the guard play looked a little different. Sonia Citron, 19 points. Olivia Miles dealing with foul trouble, 7 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. But with Mabry down, freshman guard KK Bransford benefited with more playing time, and she produced for Coach Ivy. 27 minutes for Bransford last night. She tossed in 15 points to go along with five rebounds. Now, I mentioned Florida State well under their season's average, and they have one of the best young players in America, freshman Taniya Latson. She leads all freshmen at 23.6 points per game. Notre Dame held her to just nine points last night. She had posted double figures in her first two 22 collegiate games, but Notre Dame held Latson to just nine, and the Irish won easily by 23. So Notre Dame has just one loss in the ACC and a big-time showdown next for the Irish as they kickstart a two-game road trip. Notre Dame will be at number 20, NC State. I've read it's going to be sold out down in Raleigh for that game, and, of course, the Wolfpack knocked the Irish out of the NCAA tournament last year. And our third and final hat-trick topic to start tonight's program, you have to worry about the Notre Dame 2023 basketball class that signed back in November. How many players are going to be left once Notre Dame's coaching search comes to a close and these players know who their next head coach is going to be? Now, we already know that one of the three members of the Notre Dame basketball class of 2023 is not coming to South Bend, and that is Brady Dunlap. A couple of days ago, he requested to be released from his national letter of intent once Mike Bray announced that he was leaving the Notre Dame basketball program. Now, this was a guy that is 6'7", out of Los Angeles, California, committed to the Irish back in September, and a pretty good player that now is going to be not coming to South Bend. as other offers at the time, Colorado, San Diego State, Nebraska, Providence. Notre Dame still has two players in their class of 2023. You've got four-star shooting guard Parker Fredrickson. He is listed as on threes 116th best player in the class of 2023. There has been some speculation Rumors, however you want to say it, that Fredrickson may follow in the footsteps of Dunlap and ask to be released from his national letter of intent. The other member of the class is three-star point guard from Penn High School, Marcus Burton. He is the number 157th player nationally, according to the recruiting service on3.com. I think we know following Marcus's recruitment that this was the school he wanted to go to. He has gotten that opportunity. Now, Mike Bray is not going to be here, but there's been no speculation about Marcus. So maybe he is totally locked into this Notre Dame basketball program. But Dunlap has asked for his release. Let's see if Fredrickson goes down that road as well. Man, he's a heck of a sharpshooter. Seen some of his highlights. And then you've got the local kid. Marcus Burton so the class of 2023 hopefully it's not going to be crumbling but it is a tough spot you understand the kids you get recruited by a coach and a coaching staff they're not going to be there it makes you want to rethink your decision all right it is now 527 on your home of the fighting Irish sports radio 960 WSBT Darren Pritchett with you and that is our hat trick of opening topics for this Friday I'm going to step aside for a second. When I return, we'll get to our Twitter question of the day from yesterday. We'll pass along the results, and then we'll get to what you're going to be voting on today and throughout the weekend with our Twitter question of the day. Stick around. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat to come on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Beat Twitter Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Darren Pritchett back at Notre Dame's Compton Family. Ice Arena getting set for Notre Dame and Wisconsin. College Hockey Action on Quality Rock 94.3 FM, 7.15 pregame, 7.30 opening faceoff. Well, our Twitter question of the day from yesterday. Which of these items would improve your experience going to Notre Dame sporting events? Now, I didn't list a sport for this. I meant in general, and I'm getting the feeling based on the results most people base their answer on football. Let me go through the choices everybody had. More affordable tickets, a better schedule, improve the quality of food. So we asked you to vote on this question on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Here are the results. Coming in third place, only getting 8% of the vote was improve the quality of food. I don't know about you, but if I go to a sporting event I DON'T MIND QUOTE UNQUOTE OVERPAYING BECAUSE YOU ARE AT A SPORTING EVENT, YOU'RE GOING OUT AND ABOUT, YOU HAVE TO BUY THE FOOD THERE, SO I GET IT. SO I DON'T MIND PAYING A DECENT AMOUNT FOR FOOD, BUT IT SHOULD BE REALLY, REALLY GOOD. AND I THINK THAT IS ONE OF THE MAJOR INGREDIENTS OF THE SOUTH BEND CUBS. IN PREVIOUS OWNERSHIPS, when it was the South Bend Silverhawks, I always felt like the quality of food, the standard, wasn't good enough. Whether it be a sour-tasting soda, the beer was a little, yeah, giving you that bitter beer face, the hot dog was cold. I didn't think there was ever a true commitment to match that standard. But the one thing that the South Bend Cubs have done ever since Andrew Berlin, the owner, and Joe Hart, The president have come to town. That is one of the first things they changed. And I know there's some pretty good stories about Andrew visiting this ballpark for the first time and trying some of the food. Well, the food quality is fantastic at Four Winds Field, and you have great selections for beer, soda. So I don't mind paying a little extra, but it should be good. And I think that standard needs to be lifted here in these Notre Dame venues. But 8% voted for improved the quality of food. Coming in second, 11.2%, a better schedule. Now, again, I think based on the sport you're a fan of, your answer could be different. If you're a Notre Dame football fan, I know there have been fans that would like to see a better schedule. And facing an FCS school this year doesn't help that group of people wanting better games. So I think football, you hear those fans talk about that the schedule, they'd like to see it a little better at home, and I'm sure NBC would as well. But they also have to remember, you got to put together a schedule that gives your team the best chance to make the playoffs. And that is Mr. Swarbrick's goal each and every year. As they put the schedule together, the ACC controls a lot, of course, with that agreement. So football, okay, that's a different animal to schedule. Now, if you're a Notre Dame women's basketball fan, you get a really good schedule. The one thing about Coach McGraw and Coach Ivy, they are not afraid to schedule other elite teams. You will see Tennessee come in. We've seen UConn. Notre Dame faced Maryland this year in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. There are good matchups throughout the ACC. So I think if you're a women's basketball fan, you get a fun schedule every year. I think the same holds true for hockey. When we were in Hockey East for a few years, when teams like Northeastern, UMass Lowell, would come to Purcell Pavilion, I think the average hockey fan didn't understand those are really good programs, but because they're not football, basketball names, the attendance were down, and the enthusiasm in the building was down. But if Boston College came in, Providence, That's a bigger name that brought the excitement. That's the great thing about the Big Ten. It is a regional conference that Notre Dame is smack dab in the middle of. So we bring in every year guaranteed Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin. Plus, Coach Jackson does not duck anybody. He always puts together a good non-conference schedule. We played at BU and BC, two of the elite programs year in and year out in college hockey. We played Denver, Minnesota, Duluth, on down the line. So hockey fans get a really good schedule as well. Men's basketball, you get the good ACC schedule. you know, Non-conference-wise, I think that's where a lot of the griping is from some members of the fan base. So going back to my original thought, with this question, which of these items would Improve your experience going to Notre Dame sporting events. Better schedule. It depends on your sport, so it's probably unfair. That got 11.2% of the vote. And the landslide winner, what item would improve your experience going to Notre Dame sporting events? More affordable tickets. Got 80.8% of the vote. And, again, I'm betting that's based on football fans that are voting on the tickets, which are pricey but as we know here in america supply and demand now the stadium has not been as full for some games as it used to be but when the big teams come in you see the place jammed and people fighting for tickets so very interesting vote more affordable tickets got 80.8 percent of the vote and we thank you for voting on yesterday's question that got a lot of attention on my twitter account at nine six zero sports beat now we get to the question i posted a little bit ago on my twitter account at nine six zero sports beat you can vote on this today and tomorrow it's a two-day vote and it is going to focus on nfl championship sunday which of these nfl championship sunday parlays will hit so i'm offering you four different parlays which one do you think will be The one that hits and I'm going to go first with Eagles minus two and a half against San Francisco plus Kansas City minus one against the Bengals. Your second parlay to choose from Eagles minus two and a half and Cincinnati plus one. Option number three, the parlay of San Francisco on the road plus two and a half. And Kansas City at home, minus one. And the fourth and final parlay to choose from, 49ers plus two and a half, Bengals plus one. So you can take the two underdogs in the matchup. So again, which of these NFL Championship Sunday parlays will hit? The four choices, again, you can go with the two favorites, Eagles minus two and a half, KC minus one. Then you got a combo of a favorite and a dog. Philadelphia minus 2.5, Cincinnati plus 1. Same for the third choice, San Francisco plus 2.5, Kansas City minus 1. And then you've got the dog pick, San Francisco plus 2.5, Cincinnati plus 1. Which parlay will hit? We love your opinion. You can vote right now on Twitter and find my account at 960 Sportsbeat. It is 20 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Darren Pritchett from Notre Dame's Compton Family Ice Arena coming up. Trey Mancini once hit bombs at Frank X Stadium. Now he's hoping to do that at Wrigley Field for the Chicago Cubs. You'll hear from the former Notre Dame star in a couple of moments as Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Also, your home for the NFL Championship Games on sunday darren pritchett from the compton family ice arena some news that must have came out right as the show was starting so let me back up and get you caught up on a little bit of notre dame football information james laurenitis is leaving the notre dame coaching staff and he is going to head back to his alma mater of Ohio State, he will be a grad assistant working with the linebackers. It was the same role that Laurinaitis held this season for Marcus Freeman's staff. Now, Marcus and Laurenitis were teammates together, linebackers at Ohio State from 05 to 08. Laurenitis got his way into coaching. Thanks to Marcus Freeman last year, he had been in sports radio Back in Ohio, apparently Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, and Laurenitis had a conversation previously about James getting into coaching. Freeman offered first, and Marcus brought Laurentis to South Bend, and Marcus gave Laurenitis a lot of credit for the development of a rising star on this football team, a five-star recruit in Jalen Sneed. But Laurenidas was offered the opportunity to go back home to Columbus and be on the Ohio State coaching staff, and he took that offer from Ryan Day. So Notre Dame has lost James Laurenitis, the grad assistant working with linebackers. He will have the same job with his alma mater, Ohio State. All right, 547 at WSBT, Trey Mancini, Well, he was a terrific baseball player at the University of Notre Dame 2010 through 2013. Was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles, eventually made it to the majors and had a good run with the Orioles. He was heading toward free agency last year when he was traded at the deadline to the Houston Astros. And what a great move for Mancini as he went on to win a World Series championship with Houston. But let's go back a couple of years Trey Mancini dealt with cancer in 2020, had to leave baseball behind. But you know what? Five later, he was in the opening day lineup for the Baltimore Orioles, and he has been producing ever since. And the Cubs are hoping that he still has some good years left because Mancini, who will turn 31 later on this year, has signed a two-year deal with the Chicago Cubs. Mancini met the Chicago media this week, and he was asked about that
3: bout with cancer and how he dealt with that adversity. Yeah, you learn a lot whenever you get diagnosed with cancer and, and you go through it. Before I went through any of that, baseball slumps were the biggest issue I had ever faced in my life. And I'm lucky to say that, you know, that that was the biggest problem that I had. But it puts a lot of things in perspective. Um you know I haven't changed a lot as a player I'd say I still have the same intensity still really want to do well and contribute and you know be be a huge impact on the team but it does um you know make you realize that they're you know what a real problem is and and um you know what a baseball problem is and and you know you can get through any of them and it's it's given me a lot of perspective but I'd still say I have the same exact drive and will to do well as a player um, so, um, but, but definitely gives you a new lease on life, I'd say, and, and definitely, and, and really, you know, with this, I call it a second chance because it was, um, you know, pretty high risk, high risk cancer at the time and aggressive. And I wasn't sure what my outlook was going to be. So, um, yeah, with this second chance, I'm, I'm trying to make the most of it.
2: Well, he sure has. He's been playing at a really good level at the major league level. And, you know, late last year, the offense dried up a little bit, but still made an important defensive play in the World Series to help the Astros beat the Phillies. And you never like to say someone deserves something because there's a long list of people that deserve to do this or do that. But what he had gone through, uh, the battle for his life, getting his health back in order, there's a guy truly deserved something great to happen in his career, and it sure did winning that World Series with the Astros. Trey was asked, now remember he went through the treatments in 2020 back in the Orioles opening day lineup in 21. Once he was done with the treatments, how long did it take before his body felt normal after cancer?
3: You know, I, I'd say my answer has changed throughout. Like if, if you would have asked me that March of 2021, I would have said I was fully recovered, but I wasn't. You know, um, you know, my leg strength was not even close to where it was beforehand. And I would say maybe like earlier this year was probably, or last season um I mean this when I say this year was probably when I felt like I was like fully back physically um after having another off season of just normal training a year removed from having cancer I would say that's when um I really felt like I was fully back to where I was pre-cancer um it was mostly the leg strength to be honest that was the last thing to come back um you know, it definitely took a toll on my my strength and my legs. And as the season goes on, goes on it can be reflective of that. Um, you know, when you don't have a lot left in the tank, your legs are extremely important to hitting everything you do. So, um, you know, having my legs back under me is was, was pretty important.
2: That's the voice of former Notre Dame baseball player, Trey Mancini, now a member of the Chicago Cubs organization. I documented a second ago at the trade deadline, that Mancini was traded by the Orioles to the Astros. Mancini wanted to get something, or I'm sorry, the Orioles wanted to get something for Mancini before he hit free agency. This offseason, obviously, he was not in their plans. The Astros wanted another bat, a power bat that could play first, a little bit in the outfield, and Mancini was brought in again, struggled with the bat, but made that key defensive play in the World Series, and here is Mancini talking about dealing with being traded.
3: Yeah, I was with with Baltimore for a long time and, um, you know, got to Houston, had a really, really good first few weeks and then. Um, once September rolled around, um, you know, just started struggling a bit at the plate and, and unfortunately that rolled into October too. So, um, you know, I think with everything going to a new place, I, I handled it all well, you know, it was just kind of unfortunately slumped at, at, the wrong time and, and got in some bad habits at the plate mechanically. But, um, you know, you learn a lot and, and, um, you know, I think I, I powered through really well and, and ended up um you know we we won the world series which was amazing and and i got to contribute in the end there um you know took a while but um you got to contribute towards the end so you learn a lot you know you have to you have to stick through those tough times and and even when you're not feeling great you're playing for something much bigger than yourself um and that's something i knew even before that but especially whenever you're going um when you're going through it, it's tough, but you have to stay the course because you, your number is going to be called, um, you know, when you least expect it, and that's what happened in, in game five of the World Series um, when Yuli went down. You know, you got to be ready every time.
2: He is easy to root for. People that know him say, you cannot find a better guy, more caring guy than Trey Mancini, and now he gets to play for the Chicago Cubs the next two years and Mancini of course played here in South End not too far from Wrigley Field he has played at Wrigley before but he was asked about playing at the friendly confines now 81 times a year and he took us back to when he was a youngster heading to the north side of Chicago.
3: Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, My first time at Wrigley was the summer of 2004, I believe Um, one of my best friends from growing up was a diehard Cubs fan, and we went up to a couple games that summer. Um, I remember wearing a Matt Clement goatee to one of the games they gave it to everybody in the stadium back then so I have a picture of me with that the big goatee on my chin. and you know, the place was magical. And and I remember that um as a kid there it, it's hard to replicate that feeling. Like when I was in the AL, I'd always say Fenway has a certain feel about it. And I'd say the same thing about Wrigley. I finally was able to get to play there this past June, I believe was when it was. Um just incredible. I mean, what what a great place and and um so excited that it's my home park now. There you go, Trey
2: Mancini. Hit bombs at Frank X Stadium as a member of the Fighting Irish, and now he joins the Chicago Cubs organization. It will be interesting to see how David Ross handles Mancini because also this offseason the Cubs signed left-handed hitting first baseman Eric Hosmer. The Padres are on the hook for the final three years and $39 million on Hosmer's deal. So the Cubs brought him in for just $700,000, the league minimum, So you've got him at first base, a left-handed batter who has not been the same player the last couple of years offensively or defensively. You have Mancini, right-handed batter that can play first base. He can play the corner outfield spots. So we might see Mancini and Hosmer in a platoon at first base. Maybe Mancini starts against left-handed pitching, Hosmer against righties. But you can also use Mancini in the outfield. Also, of course, you can put him in as the designated hitter for the Cubs. So great to have Trey Mancini back near us here in South Bend. We can now watch him every day playing for the Chicago Cubs. It is 5.56 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. Again, story that popped up just a little bit ago, James Laurinaitis leaving the Notre Dame football coaching staff The grad assistant working with the linebackers has taken the same exact position at his alma mater, Ohio State. We have a sports update coming up in just a couple of moments. Still to come, we'll preview Notre Dame hockey taking on Wisconsin. You'll hear from Fighting Irish head coach Jeff Jackson. Also, we have some sports wagering picks, and we'll recap the misery of my picks from last night. Sicurem or Sports Beat to come on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett from Notre Dame's Compton Family Ice Arena. Sports Beat is being brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by. United Beverage Company of South Bend, sports fans, this Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's, the family inn. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop for new beginnings, have happy endings. Nine minutes after six o'clock, great to have you on board here on WSBT Radio. On this date in history, a big day in the history of the Chicago Cubs organization. On this date in 1982, General Manager Dallas Green was involved and a pretty interesting deal. The Phillies and the Cubs got together on this deal. The Phillies, a team that was in win mode at that particular time, Mike Schmidt, Pete Rose, Manny Trio on down the line. They had a pretty good shortstop in Larry Boa, but they were not able to come to terms on a deal. So they put him on the trade market, and the Cubs were one of the teams that were interested in Boa. But the Cubs to make the deal, they wanted this minor leaguer thrown in. And it turned out to be a very important throw in for the Chicago Cubs. On this date in 1982, a game changing day for the Chicago Cubs as they traded shortstop Avon De Jesus to the Philadelphia Phillies for veteran shortstop Larry Boa and a pretty good young player by the name of Ryan. Sandberg. Sandberg went on to be the most valuable player in the National League in 1984 leading the Cubs to the division title known for the Sandberg game the two home run game of Cardinals Hall of Fame closer Bruce Souter on the NBC game of the week one of the wildest NBC game of the weeks of all time. It was a game in which in the ninth inning they handed out The player of the game award to Willie McGee of St. Louis, who had hit for the cycle. But Sandberg homered in the bottom of the ninth, homered again in extra innings and really stole the show. So Sandberg traded by the Phillies to the Cubs on this date in 1982. Sandberg would finish his career with 2,386 hits, 282 home runs, 344 stolen bases, 10 Gold Glove awards and he is a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame and truly one of the more special moments I have had as a broadcaster was being able to call the Midwest League All-Star Game at Four Winds Field in 2019. Ryan Sandberg was brought in as sort of the featured person or the face of the events of the All-Star Game here in downtown South Bend and I got to do an inning with Ryan on the TV side, and he was awesome to talk to, very generous with his time. Sometimes guys kind of get tired of talking about their careers or maybe they're just there to get the paycheck and kind of go through the motions with the media. But he was so cool. The two days I was around him, and Cub fans have a lot to be proud of in their Hall of Fame second baseman, Ryan Sandberg, who was traded to the Cubs on this day, let's see, 23, wow, 41 years ago. That's just absolutely bizarre. All right, six twelve is our time. Let's talk a little Notre Dame hockey. The Irish back home to take on Wisconsin after this weekend. Only one regular season home series left for the Irish, February 10th and 11th against the Ohio State Buckeyes. So where are we with this fighting Irish hockey team? Right now, uncharacteristic, under 500. They are 11, 12, and 3. In the Big Ten, they are in fifth place. Really, all they have to play for is home ice in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, that best of three series, because Minnesota is out in front of the pack right now. They're going to win the Big Ten regular season title, barring a massive collapse. So for the Irish right now, they'll take on a Wisconsin team that is in last place, in the Big Ten, they are 10-14-0 overall. 3-11 in the Big Ten, but one of their wins was against the Fighting Irish. More on that coming up in just a second. So for Notre Dame, they are still in a good position to make the NCAA tournament. They're right now 15th in the Pairwise. That puts you in the ballpark of making the NCAA tournament. And right now the Irish have eight regular season games left, and then whatever they can get, out of the Big Ten Tournament. Last weekend, Notre Dame on the road taking on the number three team of the Pairwise, the Penn State Nittany Lions, a team that they split two games with in South Bend back in December. In this particular matchup last weekend, the Fighting Irish were able to pull off the victory one week ago tonight, knocking off Penn State by a score of 2-1. to Notre Dame's power play has not been overly effective throughout the year, but they got a big, Power play goal from Ryder Ralston early in the third. That was the game winner, and Notre Dame beat Penn State 2-1. Our goaltender Ryan Bishop made 52 saves in that game. Now Penn State trailed Notre Dame 2-1 last Saturday. The Irish got another power play goal from Trevor Janicki in building that 2-1 lead, but the Lions would roar back, score the last two goals of the game, and beat Notre Dame by a score of 3-2. 3-2. to two. But for Notre Dame, two power play goals on the weekend. That is a big time plus. They got really good goaltending. Very easily could have won both, but they settled for a split in the two-game set. Here is Notre Dame head coach Jeff Jackson in his 18th season behind the Irish bench. His thoughts on that split with Penn State last weekend.
1: Uh, the, you know, it was... It's a it's a tough venue. It's a tough uh, a tough team to play against, and I thought our guys uh, did well uh, at, at times. Like Saturday night, I thought we were actually a little bit better than Friday, because um, uh, they their their whole games about shot volume, and they're going to get their shots, and you just you know you accept that as long as you don't give up a lot of second shots. We actually. Outchanced them at the net front both nights, which is a positive for us, both offensively and defensively. The second night was we we had good chances to to score, and we didn't finish on a consistent basis. And you know because no, uh, well, Ryan Bishop was the difference Friday night but Saturday night. I think it was just our inability to to, to score five on five. And, the power play actually both goals were basically power play goals, although only one counted because it was right after the power play. But you know, five on five scoring is, is is right now the biggest challenge that we're dealing with and we you know, we're getting chances, but we're just not finishing. So, you know, both games I thought we had opportunities to score and, and didn't take advantage.
2: Well, Notre Dame and Wisconsin are the two lowest scoring teams in the Big Ten. You look at nationally, Notre Dame is averaging only 2.35 goals per game. That is 49th in the country out of 60 Division I teams. So very, very strange to see the Irish this low in the national rankings in scoring. But that's where we are at this time. Five on five. Notre Dame just has not been able to score enough. And again, the power play has not been able to help the team consistently this year. Here's the good news. Notre Dame goaltender Ryan Bischel is playing outstanding hockey right now. Bischel, a senior, he has started every game for the Irish this year. His goals against average is 2.52. His save percentage is terrific, 9.28. That save percentage is fifth in the country. The four guys ahead of him are not full-time starters, so you could argue he's number one. One thing that Bischel is number one in the country and saves 824 so far this year, including last weekend against Penn State, Bischel stopped 94 of 98 shots. Here is Irish head coach Jeff Jackson on the play of his senior goaltender.
1: Uh, I'm not necessarily surprised. I, you know, I I expected him. I mean, we would have made the decision to just go with him as our, our number one guy and You know, I I thought I might spot our freshman a little bit more than I have. But, um, you know, I I mean, when he's playing as well as he is, it's hard to take him out. And, you know, I know that uh, Jack Williams got spot duty a few times, uh, cleanup, mop up duty. So, um, you know, Abishal is going to be our guy the rest of the way. And I mean, he's earned that. I mean, his first couple of years here, I mean, he was behind people and, you know, one year is due to injury. I mean, he's, he's gotten kind of beat out by another guy just because he was out for injury reasons. And, you know, last year, Matt galida kind of took over. It was against Wisconsin just about a year ago that this, you know, that this, that he lost that, that opportunity to be the number one guy. And But I always thought he played well for us. And this year he's just, you know, he's been our backbone and gives us a chance to win every night. I think that the, the biggest thing for me is that, I spent a lot of time with him, you know, with the goaltending part of it, and I like his demeanor. I think that, you know, I think he's competitive. You know, I think his compete level's gotten better over the years, where he he battles through situations. Um, but I, I just like the fact that he's calm, and you know, he doesn't let much affect him. And you know, he has to stay mentally in the game when you're playing every night. It's it's a little different than other players where you're on the ice for you know, maximum 20 minutes a night, you know, and you got a goalie, that's out there for 60. And you you have to stay focused even when the puck's at the other end of the ice. And, you know, with the struggles that we've had at times in the first half defensively, you know, he had to stand up big because he was facing, you know, odd man rushes and giving up, you know, backdoor situations, you know, where it's, you know, almost impossible to stop those type of plays. And yet he's found a way to stop some of them. so, but now, you know, I think that our team has been a little bit better uh, in our own end, a little bit better on the blue line. So uh, he hasn't had to face as many uh, critical plays, but when he does, he's generally stood strong. And, you know, again, uh, that's a big part of the mental part of the game for him. And, you know, and I'm proud of what he's accomplished so far, but the, the, the challenging part's yet to come.
2: And the challenges continue tonight against the Wisconsin Badgers now. I think a lot of times we go overboard saying this conference is great and this conference is that. And we've said for many years the Big Ten has been extremely competitive in college hockey. You have one of the premier programs in the history of college hockey, Michigan within this seven-team conference, Minnesota in that same conversation. Wisconsin's had a great history down lately. Michigan State's won, I think, three national championships. So there are a lot of elite programs in this conference. But you take a look at what's happening right now in the Big Ten. The Parawise rankings, Minnesota is number one in the country. Penn State is number three. Ohio State, seven. Michigan, eight. Michigan State, 13. Notre Dame, 15. And Wisconsin, who is in last place in our conference, they are 33rd out of 60 teams in the Paraguay. So all seven teams are in the top 33 in the country, which means Coach Jackson of the Irish have stiff competition to deal deal with weekend and week out.
1: Well, you know, that's what people don't understand. Like, I mean, this is like the old days when we were in the CCHA or even when we were in Hockey East, there was always a half a dozen teams at the bottom of the standings that maybe you could beat up on a little bit. And that's not the case in the Big Ten. You know, I mean... And that's why the non-conference games are such a you know critical thing at all. We're just one game over five hundred non-conference wise. So, you know, for me, it's the the challenges you know is trying to get through the gauntlet. And it's not just us; every team has to do it. I mean, you look at how good Ohio State's been uh, the majority of the year, and they went in Wisconsin last year, scored one one goal. You know, so you know that Wisconsin is the last place team on paper, but you know, they beat us, they beat Michigan. Um, I mean in the last month they've, they've they've had their share of injuries with guys out too. So they've gotten healthy and they've gotten guys back from the world juniors and things like that. And now, you know, I think Tony's got his first roster complete roster for the whole season here in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, and then they're, they're a dangerous team for whoever plays them the rest of the way. And then certainly into the playoffs and we're still, you know, they're still not locked into last place. I mean, three-point games, like, it only takes one good weekend or one bad weekend for a team, and you move up or down the standings pretty pretty easily.
2: Tony is in reference to Tony Granato, head coach of the Badgers, former head coach of the Colorado Avalanche and a member of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, a terrific player back in the day at Wisconsin and in the NHL. So, finally, from Coach Jackson, a thought on this Wisconsin series. You go back to three weeks ago, Notre Dame played one of their poor games of the year three weeks ago tonight in Madison, losing to Wisconsin two to nothing. And then just a bizarre game on Saturday. Notre Dame at one point was up five, nothing. They won six, four, giving up four power play goals in the third period coach Jackson on facing the Badgers at home this weekend,
1: where they stand in the standings is immaterial because I think they're a better team than, than what we see. Um, you know, they've got a lot of skill and ability and they've got a good goaltender. So they're pretty, you know, they're they're going through the same thing in a way that we're going through as far as uh, the the, uh, the conference um, that, you know, like this past weekend, if we had found a way to win Saturday night, we could have we've been a point within second place. Um, we didn't. And, you know, going into this weekend, it's the same thing. Like every weekend points matter. So we got to focus on us and doing what we need to do to be successful. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a challenge because, you know, Wisconsin, you know, was tough when we played them up there. We had a real tough first night. They beat us And the second night. I thought that we came out really well and got a a big lead and, you know, kind of coasted from there. So, you know, just based on last year's playoff series, I mean, they're a tough opponent, no matter, you know, what year it is, they're going to give you everything they've got.
2: Well, one guy to watch out for, for the Badgers, is defenseman Corson Kulemans. He is a first-round pick, number 25 overall two years ago, of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's got a good offensive side to his game along the blue line. Six goals, eight assists, 14 points on the air, and one of those goals against the Fighting Irish in Madison. So it is Notre Dame and Wisconsin tonight, 7.30 faceoff, 7.15 pregame on the Notre Dame Radio Network. At the same time, Mishawaka Cayman Basketball is going to be on 96-1 the ton. Mishawaka looking to stay undefeated in the Northern Lakes Conference as they play at Goshen. Mishawaka also looking for their 12th consecutive victory. Since 93-94, this is the second longest winning streak for a Mishawaka boys basketball team, the only team with a longer string, the 0405 team, coached by Rob Berger, now in charge of Marion, they started the year 17 and 0, finished the year 20 and 3. Mishawaka is dealing with an injury to their starting lineup, which could affect things a little bit tonight and going forward. And the broadcast crew will tell you about who that is and. How that affects the cabin coming up on 96.1 the ton at about 7.15. We'll wrap up my portion of Sports Beat next as we bring you a little sports wagering talk and Sizzler on. All right, 6.33 at WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you. Really quick segment as they get ready to go to hockey. In just a second, it was a brutal Sizzler selection segment last night. Lost by the hook twice and a push. Went 0-3-1. Could have went 3-1, and but did not. Took Michigan State minus 2.5 against Iowa. Michigan State won by 2. Loss. Michigan plus 5 against Purdue. Purdue won 70 Push. Braden Smith, freshman guard Purdue, had him under 9.5 points. Loss. He had 10. Missed by half a point again. And then... Just my personal pick of my alma mater, SIUE, minus two at Tennessee Tech. They got blown out. So 0-3-1, not good. Here's what we'll go with tonight and this weekend. We'll start in the NFC. I like the Eagles, minus two-and-a-half against the 49ers. I will take the Chiefs at home, minus one against the Bengals. So I will go with the two favorites, college basketball, Creighton, minus four against Xavier, and I've got a two-team college hockey parlay tonight. BU on the money line against BC and Minnesota on the money line against Michigan State. I'll take the two home teams. You parlay them, and you get the wager at plus 100, so you bet 10, you win 20. So those are my picks for tonight. Can't be any worse than those rough losses last night. That'll do it for me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Again, Mishawaka Cayman basketball on one the ton in 45 minutes. Irish hockey at home against Wisconsin coming up in 45 minutes on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. I will talk to you on Monday again on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.